Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. Y'all doing all right? Can y'all hear me? (laughs) Awesome. It's good to be in the house of God this morning, yeah? Fantastic to be able to take communion this morning. Uh, So enjoyed that. Um, If you can, let's pray one more time if you don't mind. I know we prayed a lot already, uh, but we're shifting gears and... um, Yeah, I just have a simple faith this morning that I believe God's going to talk to some people. I believe he's going to resurface some things in people's hearts, and he's going to speak loud and clear, and I believe he's going to hopefully give us some some action steps as we leave here today. Truthfully, uh, I guess before we pray, I I have a whole lot of notes, and I got, uh, I'll just shoot straight with you, some undeveloped thoughts, but I'm going to give it to you the best I can, and we're going to believe Jesus to do the rest. Amen? Amen. So, Father, thank you, God, for your presence that's in this house. Father, we just simply ask this moment that you would increase your anointing. God, that you would increase your presence. Father, as we choose today, God, to uh, just press in with our hearts, God, and lean in towards heaven. Lord, as we choose today to open up our ears, we believe, God, that you're going to speak to us. We don't believe today that we're here by accident. God, we believe that there's a divine appointment that's happening for each and every one of us today. And so, Lord, you have the great ability to speak between the lines and And, Lord, we just simply ask that you would do it. So, Lord, we honor your word. And, Holy Spirit, we just so make room for you to do whatever you want to do. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, this morning I want to uh, just go back to really what it means to just simply walk with Jesus. And to do so, I actually want to start by reading a verse that I hope that every one of us would find encouraging today. And it's actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you can, look at the screen we'll read it. It says, Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength. Anybody ever been there? It says, For our true competence or our true sufficiency flows from God's empowering presence. Can somebody say, That's grace? Verse 6 says, he alone makes us adequate or qualified ministers. It says, who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. This says, the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. Now listen, one of the reasons why I like this passage so much is because the Apostle Paul isn't talking to a handful of special Christians. You know, in other words, some top shelf, hey, this is for you. No, no, he's actually talking to every follower of Jesus. And in the scripture, he's actually reminding us that uh, God has already, get that, he has already given us a basic sufficiency, or we can say an adequate provision of grace to be who he has called us to be and to accomplish what he has called us to do. Amen. Listen, if by chance you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I'm really unsure what I'm supposed to do. Let me give it to you really simple according to scripture. Paul is saying this, is that God wants you to be an expression of his life wherever you go. It's that simple, guys. Don't overthink it, right? So, you see, when we connect ourselves not to the letter of the law, which is a bunch of uh, perceived rules and regulations, but actually when we connect ourselves to the one who is the source of life, his life, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will readily and naturally flow through us wherever we go and whomever we make contact with. If you believe that, say, oh, yeah. yeah. 
Now, listen, if you're sitting here today and you go, what's the big difference between the letter of the law and basically, uh, you know, basically the spirit of life? It, you know, uh, there's, that's a whole other sermon, but just let me give it to you really quick in this detail. If we actually look at the Bible in Exodus chapter 32, we find that when Moses actually gave the letter of the law, when he gave the law, on that day, 3,000 people died. If you fast forward all the way to Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, 3,000 people were born again. And the only thing I can tell you is this, is the significant difference between the two is one gives death and the other one gives life. And we can recognize today, once again, that we are not called to bring death, but as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to bring life to every single person we meet. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so with that said, just a quick question. How many of you guys in this room truly want to be the able ministers that God's called you to be? Amen. That's most of us. That's good. That's good. I'm going to preach to you today. All right? So listen, as exciting as it may be to think about how God has already provided this grace for us, right, that we'll ever need for this life, all that grace, uh, I simply want to point out one thing today, because God can give us this grace, but truthfully, when you look at the Bible, we find that there's something that we need to unlock that grace that He has made available to us. And I just believe this key is found in a uh, really tucked away in a really well-known portion of Scripture, Uh, and so I just want to read it, and we'll get through it as far as we can today. And uh, yeah, we'll do that. John chapter 2. Here we go. Let's pick it up. It says, now the third day, that's a Tuesday. It says, Jesus' mother went to a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana. Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests, they ran out of wine. Listen, I want to pause there. As most of us know, during this time period, uh, they did weddings a lot different than we do today. For starters, uh, when you look at Jewish history, you find out that typically people got married on a Tuesday rather than our typical Saturday. And the reason they did that is because it gave time for out-of-town guests or out-of-town family members to be able to travel, travel after the Sabbath. Because we all know that you can only travel a certain amount of distance on the Sabbath. And so it gave time for people to come. Another thing that was so different was this is compared to how we do it today, we typically rally about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We have a, you know, whatever, 30-minute wedding, and then we hang out for a few hours, and we do uh, whatever a, uh, somebody help me, we do a reception afterwards. Uh, but these guys actually do a wedding ceremony. After the wedding ceremony, they did a wedding feast, which usually lasted somewhere between three to seven days. Now, when we dive back into this story, the Bible doesn't tell us on which day of the wedding feast it was, if it was the third day or if it was the fourth day or the fifth day. It doesn't really say when, but it would appear like that more people showed up than they originally expected, and somebody drank more than they were supposed to drink, right? And so they ran out of wine, right? And so uh, pick it back up. We all know about that crazy uncle, right? Anyways, John chapter 2, verse 3. It says, when Mary realized, in other words, when she discovered what was happening, she came to Jesus and asked, they have no wine, can't you do something about it? In other words, son, we got a really big problem. I need you to do something to keep these people from public humiliation. You got to do something, right? But watch how Jesus responds to her. It says, Jesus replied, I love the way the Passion says this, My dear one, uh, don't you understand that if I do this, it will change nothing for you, but it will change everything for me. Because my hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. Now, I don't know if Mary put on her selective hearing here or not. I don't know if she got that crazy look in her eye that only mamas give that really communicates this. I took you in this world. I can take you out of it, right? Like, I don't know what she did, but it seems like Mary absolutely ignored Jesus. 
And so rather than her doing what most of us would do, just kind of turn to Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus, you're probably right because you're always right. She didn't do that. She actually turned and delivered it to a handful of servers who were standing there, a single sentence that I believe that holds the key that unlocks the grace that we need in our life. Let's look at it in verse 5. It's so simple, but it's powerful. It says this, Mary then went to the servers and told them, whatever Jesus tells you, do it. I told you it was simple. <laughs> Whatever Jesus tells you, do it. Now, listen, I know it's simple, but if we want to become who he has called us to be, and if we want to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish, then I just believe whatever Jesus, or we can say really whatever the Holy Spirit tells us to do, then we're just going to have to do it. Yeah? So if I could actually compact Mary's sentence into one word, it's a biblical word, it's a powerful word, but if I could compact it into one word, it would simply be this. It would be obedience. Right? That is true that if we want to see the grace of God unlocked and released in our lives, then we just simply need to obey Him. Told you it was simple. Listen, if we walk with Jesus for any amount of time, really the concept of obedience isn't foreign to us, right? In fact, the Bible mentions the word obedience or a variation of it over 200 times. And I, you know, and I don't even know how many times it is spoken of directly, kind of indirectly. And you know, even when you bring in the word disobedience and all that, we're talking hundreds of times. So it's a main theme throughout the Bible. But with that said, one of the points I want to make clear to us today is this is that if we're going to walk in His empowering grace, then it would be helpful for us to remember that, yes, God is our Father, right? And yes, He's our friend. Yes, He's the lover of our soul. Yes, He's our Savior. But everybody, please hear me. He is still our King. He is still the Commander-in-Chief. He is still our Lord and our Master. He is still our God. And when you look at all of those titles and all those roles, they have this one thing in common. They all have this. They're all positions of authority. Right? And you see, those titles will actually begin to show us how obedience really should be played out in our lives. In fact, let me show you how Webster, uh, Noah Webster actually defined the word obedience. He said this. He said, it is a willingness to submit to the orders or instructions of one in authority. Y'all get that? Y'all get that? A whole lot easier to understand than do, Right? Yes. The Greek language breaks down a bit more, and it means this. It means to be under another's voice. To be under, to come under another's voice. And see, through those different definitions, we can really understand that we are literally under the authority of God's voice. And that's why Mary could say, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Don't argue. Don't fuss. Don't whine. Do it. Right? So watch this. If I could really get it down to your bottom line, this is not where we're sitting the whole time. Just hang with me. But, but it, our lives really boil down to three things. In other words, it's a, it should center around three things. Number one is this, is that you and I would actually begin to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And secondly, that we would actually hear what he would say. And thirdly, that we would respond out of obedience to what we've heard. Get that. That our lives should function daily off of what the Holy Spirit is saying what we're hearing, and then we're responding to what he says. Yes? So, listen, if we can today, let's just settle in our hearts here and now. Once again, that he is king, right? His voice has more authority in our lives than our rights, than our opinions, than our feelings, than our will, right? That whatever he says goes. Yeah? This is why a person believed Jesus said this in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, you'll shed a whole bunch of tears. 
No. He didn't say, if you love me, man, you'll preach from the rooftops. No, wrong again, right? He didn't say, if you love me, you'll go, uh, you know, work in children's ministry and suffer for me. (laughs) He didn't say that. He said this. He said, if you love me, that wasn't a good pitch for children's (laughs) ministry. If you love me, he said, you will keep or you will obey my commands, right? All right, so before we jump back into our main passage, I want to take a moment, just ask today, Listen, really, how different would our lives be right now if we actually obeyed everything you said? Right? Like, if we can make it personal, how different would my life, you for you, me for me, right? How different would my life be if I just obeyed his word and the voice of his Holy Spirit? Like, how different would my life be if I actually made the decision to consistently live according to his kingdom principles and his ways every single day? Yeah? The reason this is important is because this, is because most of the mess in our lives is because we just don't do what he says. Smile at me, y'all. It's not that bad. So if I could sit here for a minute. Listen, I'm convinced this morning, and I'm not going to try to give details because I don't want to get in the Holy Spirit's way, but I just think this. I'm convinced that there's somebody here today, and there's probably way more than one, uh, that knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has spoken to you, but for whatever reason, listen, you've delayed your obedience, right? That, that, listen, that what he has told you, you just keep dragging your feet. You keep putting him off. What he's told you, you're just, ah, just trying to ignore you, right? That, listen, that, and I just want you to know, Dave, that if you're literally sitting here today and you're waiting on him to somehow change his mind or release you from what he said, I want you to know it's probably not going to happen, But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Everybody, please hear me, okay? Your disobedience is going to lock down God's grace in your life in that area. So much so that if you're waiting for God to move in a fresh way in your life, I think it's not going to happen to you, obey whatever he told you in the last time. Amen? All right, let's jump back. I'm going to give you three points. Three points. Right now I'm wishing I was preaching in Africa because you could preach for like four hours. All right, so let's jump back in chapter 2. A few more things I want to say from this passage of Scripture when it comes to obedience. Verse 6. says, Nearby stood six stone water pots meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. Get that. Jewish washing rituals. It says, Each one would hold about 20 gallons or more. Theologians say that's somewhere between 108 and 162 gallons. So Jesus came to the servers and instructed them, Fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. All right. I actually love this portion of the story, and here's why. This is where we're going to sit for the majority of our time. Uh, Because when I read that, I can actually see the servers kind of looking at each other. Fill up the water pots? Like, does this guy not know how many people have come and literally washed their filthy hands, their nasty feet, and their stinky underarms in that water, and he wants to somehow make wine out of that? Talking about aged, right? Anyways... Listen, I, I just think if you and I today, here's the point, the first point I want to give you, I'm going to give you three right now, uh, that if you and I actually want to walk in obedience, then we need to go ahead and rectify in our minds, number one, that obedience doesn't always make sense. Obedience doesn't always make sense. What I mean by that is this, is that there will be times in your life where you will hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, and what makes perfect logical sense on paper and what he is telling you, man, it will not line up. 
right? And, and when things like that water pot, right, when they don't line up, a certain tension begins to come in our lives. And that tension looks like this. On one hand, our mind, our will, our emotions, our soul will actually begin to tell us what to go ahead and do the logical thing. But our spirit man, on the other hand, will be urging us to have enough faith to trust God for the greater thing that goes beyond our natural understanding, right? Maybe that's why Proverbs 3, most of us can quote it, but put in this context in chapter uh, verse 5, uh, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. That's part of our problem. We depend so much on our own understanding. It's my problem, right? So, so listen, the truth is, though, is our understanding limits God immensely. Amen? Amen? So let me give you an example uh, of someone who God asked him to do something that didn't make sense in the natural, but God had a purpose in it. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, a little over a year ago, I heard, we have a mutual friend, me and this individual, okay? Now, I heard this story about a man who received a phone call. Uh, this guy has a, a large business. He received a phone call from one of his former employees, and his former employee said this, look, basically, I'm living in this state now, and I feel like God has put this in my heart, and, uh, and I want to do this, but I need $1,800. Will you please let me borrow, borrow $1,800? The man agreed to it, said, I will, I'll give you the $1,800. But when he went later to sit down at his desk to write the check out to mail it to him, as he began to write the check out, the power of God hit the man so hard it knocked him out of his chair onto the floor in his office. And here's what happened. The Lord actually pinned him to the ground by the weight of his presence and he began to have a discussion with this guy. And the discussion was simply this. I don't want you to write that man a check for $1,800. I want you to add two zeros to it. And oh, by the way, I don't want you to ask for a dime of it back. And so after he laid there for a while and finally agreed to do what God was asking, he picked himself off the floor, crawled back into his chair, and he wrote out a check for $180,000, and he mailed it to the guy. This is a true story. Okay, so let me fast forward. The guy that ended up getting the $180,000 never did a single thing with it that, God, that he said God wanted him to do. Okay, but the reality is, is this, is that I don't believe... Uh, God was so concerned about what that guy would do with the money. I think he was concerned with the boss. And it's this, that, that until basically he realized that those two extra zeros had nothing to do with that other fellow, that was simply God's way of testing him to see if what, if he was willing to obey, to see if, if, see if really if God could trust him, that God said, look, if I give you abundance, are you going to hold on to it really tight or are you going to send it where I tell you to send it? If I can kind of give you a thing, and some of you business owners, listen to this statement, okay? And this isn't me pleading for money. This simply, this is the way the kingdom operates, okay? So throw up the next quote, please. Here's what he was trying to teach the guy. Basically, if God can get money through you, he can get it to you. Amen. Understand that if you want to listen, it's God wanted to know if he would be generous. Stingy people will always live in poverty. Yes, if you're always afraid that you'll never have enough, then you'll never operate in the abundance that God wants for you. Amen? Amen. All right, let me add another thought here. We just talk about God wanting to do unusual things. Can, can you please tell me the last time that you read the Bible, and as you were reading the Bible, you actually thought to yourself, wow, God is just so normal. <laughs> right? Like, like, when you look at the life of Jesus, I just think, man, Jesus... Wiped mud in the blind dude's eye, right? He spit on a uh, you know, mute man's tongue. He stuck his fingers in a deaf man's ear. He spoke to a storm. He walked on water. My point is, is there's nothing 
usual about God. God's not normal, right? And so I just think, man, maybe we need to get out of our head that God's going to think like us. It doesn't happen, guys. Yes? So listen, turn to your neighbor, and I'm going to give you a second to pick your favorite neighbor, okay? (laughs) I'm just saying. That's easy. You choose your husband. That's easy. Thank you, man. I'll help you out, Grandpa. All right, here we go. So listen, you got your neighbor picked? Say, oh, yeah. Yeah. Here's what I want you to say to him. Say, if you want to live a life of obedience, then you're going to have to get used to different. Amen. Here's the second thing I want us to see. Watch this. Number two. Number two. Y'all doing all right? is obedience turns the ordinary into the extraordinary. That obedience turns the ordinary into the extraordinary. Gang, think about this for a moment. If it be Moses' staff, if it be David's sling, or the five loaves and two fishes from that little boy's picnic basket, or if it's the six water, uh, stone water pots, listen, God has a history of taking our ordinary and turning something extraordinary for His glory. Right, that God has a unique ability to touch our ordinary stuff, our ordinary lives. I hope somebody's hearing me today. It causes its influence and its reach and its impact to multiply in ways that we can never imagine. Right? So listen, with that in mind, I want us to notice something in particular here. In each one of those examples I just gave, including the water pots, notice that Jesus didn't send, this is important, guys. He didn't send Moses, he didn't send David, that little boy, or these servers off to find something new or different for him to use. Please hear me. On the contrary, he just simply said, hey, let's use what you already have available to you. See, if you can look at this in Exodus chapter 4, this is after burning bush. God just told Moses, hey, look, you're going to go deliver my people from bondage. And it says this, then Moses answered God and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. Or just a shepherd's staff, right? And we all know how important that shepherd's staff came to Moses' life and to the Israelites, right? Now look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. David's about to go fight Goliath, and it says this. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Watch this. So Saul clothed David with his armor. In other words, I see you, appreciate your courage, go. But oh, I don't think you're really prepared. I'm afraid you're going to die. So look, let me give you my armor, right? It says he put on a bronze helmet on his head and he also clothed himself with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Watch this. Then he took his staff in his hand. And he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. We know old Big Ugly died, right? All right, listen. Here's my point. is I think sometimes you and I get so caught up in what we don't have that we forget what we do have. 
right, that, that we forget what God has already given us. And because we, we get so focused on what we don't have, we have a tendency to think that the Holy Spirit can't move through us until we get something new or until we get something different than we already have. I need a new word. I need this to change. I need, I need, I need. And I just want you to understand, uh, instead of waiting for something, why not just begin to use what's in your hand, right? Because, listen, until you start using what's in your hand, you're going to become paralyzed and ineffective in this season you're currently in. Right? Because why? Because you're stuck in the waiting for, once again, something you already possess. So let me tell you, really, I'm going to be really open and vulnerable with you today. I've shared pieces of this, but never to this extent. But I want to show you where the Lord really brought this home because, truthfully, it affected all of you. But, but watch this. During our first 10 months here, um, I, I personally was a mess internally, Right? And, and looking back, I, you know, I know it was a combination of several things. It was a combination of the spiritual battle that was taking place. Uh, but it was also all of the spoken and unspoken expectations of people, right? It was the unrealistic pressures that I put on myself. It was all the comments I was hearing from loads of folks. It was feelings of loneliness. It was a loss of identity from the previous church I served at. And, and you know, on top of that, take the fact that I was a thousand miles away from uh, any, any of uh, my comfort, a thousand miles away from a sweet tea and fried chicken, right? Whatever. <clears throat> so, listen, but to put it mildly, that combination, if I'm being honest with you, is this, is my confidence was shot, right? So much so that I, I knew that I heard from God to come to Maine and to pastor this church. But listen, at that moment, I was questioning so many things. I got to a spot where I was willing to say, God, I throw in the towel. I'm done. I'm ready to leave. And, uh, and I want you to know I was emotionally shaken. I was paralyzed inside. And, and here's what I mean by that is I was preaching, but I was not leading. Yeah, I had never experienced that before. And so watch this. It was around that time I got invited. I got a call from a guy that lives up in the county, a pastor. He said, hey, I got this guy coming in to, to minister, and, and I want you to come. And so Jen and I, we, we took off right on uh, somebody else preached. Sunday morning, we, we drove up to the county. And, uh, and I were on a Saturday, and I remember uh, laying in bed that night, and we had the kids between us. And how many of you guys know when you guys meet kids, we got, uh, man, I had like a foot. I was like on the bed like this, right? And, and I remember just sitting there and, and just questioning myself, questioning my calling, uh, you know, questioning why I'm in Maine, questioning God, questioning people. Man, it was ugly. Uh, you know, I'll say this, and if you guys, any of you guys know me, this is not me, but I think that may be the only time in my life I've ever cried myself to sleep. And I literally said, God, uh, they can have this, right? Like, I, I'm, I, I'll be more than glad to leave, right? And so the next morning is June the 5th, 2016. I got up, and I put my happy face on, and I went to church. And uh, some of y'all been there. And in the middle of service, this guest speaker, whom I didn't know, he called Jennifer and I up to the front, and, and as, when we walked up there, he immediately began to prophesy to us. Now, I realize some of you guys aren't from a culture where the gifts of the Spirit operate, but I'm going to show you how they operate, okay? So I walked up. I don't know this man, and immediately, I'm going to read to you what he said. It's, I've never read this publicly. He said this. He immediately said, The Lord says, Son, do not doubt the call of God that I placed upon you. He said, Man, do not place it upon you. I placed it upon you. And he says, And you've been going through a time and a season of great questioning. Don't do it any longer. Dig in, dig in, dig in, dig in. For you're going to survive the battle. Not only are you going to survive it, you're going to thrive in it, and you are going to win. Praise God for that. So, 
says the Lord would say, do not pitch your tent. Do not get too comfortable. For movement, 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 a shifting, a shifting, a shifting is about to occur. But I've called you to influence my people, and I've called you to gather my people. I've called you to feed them, to be a shepherd, to shepherd those that do not fit in in other places. I'm not going to give you the eyeballs. Praise God for that. I'm going to give you rare, rare, rare men and women of God that you're going to soldier and teach and train. And I've given you a military understanding of the kingdom. Your middle name on your license is no nonsense because you are a no nonsense man of God. The, the funny side note, funny thing is I got, I got back to our hotel, took my shoes off. I had socks on that said no nonsense. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> I did. It says, now in times past, you've used your mercy gift, but people took advantage of it. And so I want you to firm up your position as a leader. I want you to start being more confident in who you are and what I've called you to do. And I've given you a dream, and I've given you a vision. I've given you a dream, and I've given you a vision. And I want you to know, my son, that you didn't make it up. I gave it to you. Now, you've been underestimating the call of God upon your life. You've been underestimating the grace of God upon your life. And I'm going to increase your ability to gather my people. I'm going to increase your pulpit power and strength and integrity from preaching from preaching the word of God. And I'm going to begin to use you in supernatural means. But the Lord would say, there was a chapter from your childhood where you were deeply didn't expect that. Emotionally hurt. God says, there, I just healed that. I will no longer hinder you, and you're going to be an outstanding spiritual father to all of those that I bring your way. But my son, do not hook yourself up to the wrong wagon. In other words, the Lord says, a breaking away, a breaking away, a breaking away is about to occur. And I want you and your wife to start over new and to start over fresh. And I want to name the baby, not that one. So I'm going to name the baby today that my son, you're different than all the rest. I brought you out of a different place. You've been trying to break free and start anew, a path for yourself. But the Lord would say, my son, get ready. A leader, a leader, a leader. Don't try to follow, but lead, lead, lead. And the Lord would say, old relationships that have not worked out, it's their loss. Let them go. It's time to jump ship. It's time to get out of the stale and the stagnant and to get into the fresh flowing stream of spring water that I promise you. And as I said moments ago, it's time to name the baby. I'm naming you my son as a leader in the body of Christ, as a gatherer and a teacher and a preacher of the word. Then he went on and shared a whole bunch more. But in case you're sincere wondering how to respond, I cried like a baby. I boo-hoo. God's good, right? And listen, as I walked back to my seat, literally weeping in front of all those people, and ultimately drove back home, something shifted in me, okay? Now, here's why I'm bringing all that up, okay? Because I want you to notice that here I am in a spot where I'm not being who God called me to be, and I'm not doing what he called me to do, and I'm floundering, right? And I know it, and I don't know how to get going, right? And I'm broken, and I go to this church, and God speaks. And I want you to notice that in that prophecy that read my junk, right, read my mail, God did not give me anything new or different. He simply reaffirmed what he had already given me. And from that point on, listen, I had to make the decision to block out all of the voices, including my own, that either limited me, questioned me, intimidated me, right, or wanted me to be somebody I wasn't. I had to get rid of Saul's armor and go, this is what I'm called to do, and start leading the way God called me to lead. Am I making sense? So listen, before I move on, because this isn't about me, it's about y'all today. Listen, I just got to know, question, what's in your hand? 
Like, what has God given you in your life, in your character, talents, abilities, gifts? What has he given you that he is wanting to put his touch on your ordinary to make something extraordinary for his glory? What do you have in your hand that you are not using, you're not applying for the kingdom of God? What are you waiting on? Why are you sitting on the bench? Why are you sitting in the grandstands when your heart burns and you know you're supposed to be in the game? Yeah? Listen, he's given it to you. Let his anointing come. Trust him. Trust him for the impossible, right? Let him do his thing. Number three, watch this. Third thing I want to see is when, he's, when, he, when Jesus said, hey, fill those pots up, not halfway, but to the brim. Here's the third point, is that obedience, true obedience, never does anything halfway. Y'all hear me? I got this book at home that's got a chapter in that, the title of it. I, I haven't had the courage to read the chapter. It says this. Here's the name of the chapter. 99% obedience is still 100% disobedience. Listen, because our God is a God of excellence, He expects us to walk in full obedience. Right? So listen to me. In the same way that Jesus never healed one eye of a blind man, one ear of a deaf man, right? One leg of a lame man. He never said, he, he, listen, he, he never walked up to a blind man and said, all right, there's one good eye. Right? I gave you a good eye, and then in the words of the great prophet Nacho Libre, go on, go read some books. <laughs> You'll get that later. So anyways, one eye, go read some. Anyways, all right. So listen, in the same way, nor did he turn three of the six literally water pots into wine. Right? So watch this. So in the same way that the Father never led Jesus to anything halfway, guess what? The Holy Spirit's never going to lead you and I to do something halfway. And I think, if I'm being honest, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I think somebody in here, part of, your, uh, part of your eternal frustration is because you've never really given God, A, all of you, and secondly, you've never given Him all of your obedience. You've tried to live just good enough to give Him part of it, and you wonder why you're miserable on the inside. You got the good show, but in here, you're dying. And the reason is, is because the abundant life is the only thing that ever satisfies. And the only way you can get abundant life is to walk in full obedience. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Let me give you a few more points. You all okay? Yeah. All right. Thank you. I like you. <coughs> See, that's the person in class where everybody's like, man, shut up. Why'd you say that? I got things to do, right? Yeah. Anyways, I'm having fun this morning. I hope you are. Anyways. So I, I just think this, just another point here, and when again, we're going to get in our, my, my spot of just undeveloped thoughts, but hey, just take it as it is, all right? But, but I just think this, would it have taken a good amount of time to draw 162 gallons of water to fill those pots up to the brim? Now, now listen, I don't know what you guys call it up here, but down south we call it a hose pipe. I don't know what you guys call it. Uh, is that right? Is that what you guys call it? A hose? A hose? All right. So, um, listen, so they didn't just go, hey, Billy, turn the spigot, right? They didn't do that and just fill it up. No, no, they had to go get it from a well somewhere, and they had to bring it, right? So there was some work involved. And, and I just think this, that, that um, if we stop and actually go, man, the amount of work that they had to do to actually make this happen, in other words, their partnership with God, and it's this, we'll throw this next thing up, but their level of obedience not halfway, not a quarter way, not seven, but to the brim, their level of obedience ultimately determined the level of their miracle. Yeah? 
All right, let's land this. I'm going to finish the story here with a few thoughts. Verse 8. It says, Then he said, Now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of ceremonies. Verse 9. And when they poured out their pitchers for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water had become wine. I may have this off a little bit, and it's okay if I do. But, but I think these two verses are so cool because this. Because it shows us that obedience is a privilege. Y'all looking like, what do I mean? Obedience is a privilege because it's God's way of including us in his master's plan, in his master plan, right? That he includes us. That's an incredible thought because he doesn't have to, right? Jesus didn't need those people, but he chose to partner with them, right? And I also want you to notice that Jesus said, now fill your pitchers, right? This is a reminder that, guess what? We fill ourselves up with the one who is the living water. We fill ourselves up with the one who is the wine of the spirit, who will, what? We, if we fill it up, we'll have something to pour out. But if we don't, we won't. Right? Second thing I want you to notice is this. Is I want you to notice the word when. This is so key right here. Because if you're going to walk with God, this is really how it goes. It says, when they poured out their pitchers. Now, I might be wrong here, but it appears like that the water didn't turn to wine until they poured it out. I might be wrong with that. But listen, if that's true... Then can you imagine the thoughts that those servers had running through their mind as they were walking to the master of ceremony? They are looking into the pitcher. <laughs> and it's water, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, right? And it's like, man, what is going to happen when I go up to this fella and I begin to pour the pitcher out and nothing changes? Don't that like you've never been there? What happens if I pray for this person and nothing happens? Right? What happens? That's a scary thing. And I just want you to know the reality is if we're going to live obedient lifestyles, then we got to go ahead and rectify in our hearts that the Holy Ghost is going to ask us to do some scary things. Right? But listen, when I read this, to me it's a reminder of this, that it takes an incredible amount of faith to be able to do that. Right? And so I'll just throw up the next, we'll throw up the next slide. That obedience and faith are so divinely connected. It took faith to walk to that master of ceremonies, right? That obedience and faith are so divinely connected, it's impossible to have one without the other. It requires faith to believe what we have heard is correct, and it requires obedience to actually take the next step of action. Right? But watch this. But thankfully, the combination of faith and obedience, guess what? God responds to it with his miraculous power. It takes both, guys. So listen, let me, let me just say this for some of you spiritual giants in here. It does you no good to have faith to move a mountain if you don't do nothing with it. Right? Yes? Yes. We got to do something. Faith without works is? Yeah. All right, let's close it. Look at what God wants to do through our obedience. Verse 9. It says, when he, talking about the master of ceremonies, tasted the water that he had become, that had become wine, the master of ceremonies was impressed with its quality. That's our God, y'all. He's a quality God. Amen? It says, although he didn't know where the wine had come from, only the servers knew. This is so cool to me. That's, this is the way I read the Bible, though. I just look at it and go, man, when you're willing to serve, you get to know things from the Lord that other people won't. So it says, he called the bridegroom over and he said to him, every host serves his best wine first. Until everyone has had a cup or two, then he serves the cheaper wine. But you, my friend, you've reserved the most exquisite wine until now. Or as some translations say, you have saved the best wine for last. 
Listen, yes, it's a, it's a truth that our obedience unlocks God's best, but it's also a prophetic thing that, guess what, that God is saving His best wine, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the greatest move of God that's ever touched the face of this earth until the last. And I pray that we'll get to be a part of that. Amen? And this says in verse 11, This miracle in Cana was the first of the many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee that revealed what? His glory. It says, and his disciples believed in him. I just think, man, if we can just grab a hold of one skin, this is undeveloped thought zone right here. Okay? In other words, I'm not going into it too much. But, man, listen, if we would just obey that God will reveal his glory in our lives. Y'all want, y'all want religion or you want Jesus? Yeah, right? So, once again, let's, let's circle the wagon here. Remember, these servers did not have the ability to turn water into wine. Incapable. We are incapable of doing anything great in here on our own. Right? But to understand what they do, that the first step they had to do is listen to Jesus. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Settle it in your heart. Man, if you can get there and then actually walk out and obey, just like they did, guess what? That obedience is, a, is an action step. Guess what? Then now their faith, guess what? God will move. Make that, let me make that a little bit more simple. Hear him. Right? Obey him and watch him do what he does. Right? Because he said this, and the last scripture we'll look at in John eleven forty. He said, did I not say to you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Let that sink down to your toes. Did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? See, guys, when we have a heart of obedience, it will keep us from living with small thinking. It will keep us from having undeveloped faith, right? It will keep us from living below God's standard for our lives. And so if you could just walk out of here today, really with these four thoughts in mind, is what... what what does God want to release in my life if I would obey? Like, what is he wanting to release? Second thought is this, is what is my disobedience withholding from my life? And so really in that is this, is what is God saying and what are you going to do about it? Amen. Can we just close our eyes? Please say this to me. Say, Jesus, is there anywhere in my life that I haven't obeyed? what you said and listen I'm not I'm not talking about 20 years ago I'm talking about right now okay to clarify Holy Spirit speak to us is there anything that we need to do The only thought that I have coming to my heart, and I'll just throw it out there at you guys, and this isn't this is probably only for one or two people. But listen, I think for somebody, you've been in a relationship, and I think it's romantic. And uh, and you just know you have fault and fault and fault and fault your lack of peace about that relationship. And you tried to ignore it, but I'm trying to tell you today that that lack of peace is really God's warning to you that that's not a relationship from him. And so please don't disobey. Please stop fighting it. Just get away from that relationship and trust that, guess what? That God has the ability to give you all that you need in His timing and His purpose and His plan. He'll bring someone to you that is from Him. Because if that person doesn't draw you closer to God, I promise you it's not from God. Thank you, Lord. So simply take a moment. In fact, let me just so I can see where we're at. 
if you if you know that there's something that's got to shift in your life, can you just lift both hands or one hand? Doesn't matter. Just let me see where we're at the moment. Awesome. Okay. Good deal. So I know I'm not just talking to the wall. Can you just take a moment and just simply say, Jesus, would you forgive me? You know, the greatest form of disobedience is just trying to live this life without Him. So if you're in a spot today and you're just like, man, Lord, I, I, need, I need you. If that's salvation or if that's you're a prodigal son or prodigal daughter and you've ran a, tried your best to run 100 miles away from Him, um, I would just encourage you, say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. So let me pray for you. Father, we thank you today for every person that's in this room. And God, we collectively, every single one of us, God, we declare today that you are the King of Majesty. That you are our Lord and our Savior. And Lord, we don't want to lose sight of the fact that you are our Lord. And so, Father, today we simply ask, God, that you would help us to have hearts of obedience. God, hearts that simply say, God, we are under your voice. Whatever you say, God, will do it. God, if those words, Lord, I'm asking today that those words, God, from the book of John, chapter 2, God, what Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. God, I pray that that would sink so deep in us. And Lord, I pray, God, that it would get anchors in our spirit. God, that the way we think, the way we talk, God, the way we respond, God, that every single thing that we do would filter through that one statement. God, I pray today that you would give us ears to hear, that you would increase our capacity, God, to hear your voice. Because, God, the truth is we want to be obedient, but sometimes we don't know what you're saying. And so, Lord, would you help us to learn how to turn our radio onto your station, God, so we can hear you, so we can hear your frequency, God, of what you're saying and what you're declaring. And, God, give us the courage and the backbone and the boldness God, just to be able to do what you said. Father, we say to you today, God, we don't care if it makes sense or not. We want to go with you. God, we want to go with you. We want to go with you. There's a yes in our hearts, God. So, Father, thank you, God, for helping us be obedient children. God, that love and adore you. God, help us to be children. God, that literally give you our lives, God, in every single way. Lord, would you help us today? Yeah, I was going to close there, but I feel like I need to tell somebody something. Uh, listen, there's somebody in this room, you're in a situation, and you want to fix it. And, uh, and, and you are trying your best to put your willpower on it, and you are trying to work from your understanding. And, and I just say to you today, trust God, take your hands off of it, and let God move for you. Amen? So God, we thank you that you know how to fight our battles. God, we thank you that you know how to move when we uh, literally rest in you. So, Lord, today we just declare to somebody, be still and know that he's God. Be still and know that he's God. Wait upon the salvation of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you that you are the one that has the ability to turn hearts and turn minds. And so, Lord, we thank you for doing it. God, we pray for divine miracles. God, we recognize that probably that situation is a serious one. So, Lord, we thank you for divine miracles. God, we thank you for great deliverance and freedom in Jesus' name. Yeah. So, Lord, I bless your people today. God, I bless your people, God, to walk in obedience, that key that unlocks your empowering grace in our lives. God, so we can be who you've called us to be and we can do what you've called us to accomplish. So, Lord, today we just simply say, God, we have obedient hearts. Let it sink deep. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.